Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about the 2015 film Room. This will contain spoilers. Sorry about last week. We didn't have an episode last week because there were some technical issues, so we did what all strong people do and gave up. Uh, <laughs> it yeah. does mean, though, that we're going to have a new perspective on this. So this is the first film that we've watched and then we've just stewed on for a week. Mm. A whole week. Hopefully, Sometimes more yeah. if you're organised. I'm sure Ollie was organised. I watched <laughs> it a, a day or two in advance. Um... Uh, I just want to say that uh, before we start, that a bit of a content warning because there will be like themes of abuse and domestic violence in this, so be warned. Um, okay, so the room uh, follows Tommy Wiseau's character Johnny as he. Oh, oh <laughs> sorry, I was reading the wrong Wikipedia oh. summary. Oh no, how <laughs> awful! <laughs> yeah. Uh... Wait, what? We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ollie, did you watch the... Wait, we had a whole oh, week to I'm watch sorry. the right film, but we, we didn't... Had... I mean... <laughs> I can... Oh, I can see how you get that mixed up, you know, both really well critically acclaimed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both praised for their high-quality acting. Yeah, you... <laughs> you got to make sure there is no the. You don't get a the. Or, like, sorry. stick the Just suffix no, 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it is about um, a woman and uh, who is basically trapped in like a shed for seven years, and uh, she's abused by this guy who's trapped to old Nick, and so, uh, it leaves her with a son that has grown up only knowing this tiny space inside room. Whoa. Um, and then when he turns five, she tells him about the real world. So, and then they uh, escape the room and um, try and like assimilate to the outside world. So you get to see what, it, what it's like for um, Jack to kind of, you know, get used to the outside world, like so many things going on, how big it is. And, and that, but also the, difficulty of like dealing with media and lawyers and legal issues you've got to go with after being held captive for seven years which is also another interesting side so that's kind of the vague plot yeah um yeah and what do you think should we we'll focus on the first bit for now where is it it's about like 25 minutes half an hour where they're in the room do you think Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I thought that should be longer. It kind of surprised me how early they broke out. Oh, because, see, I knew that they got out and I thought that they'd break out earlier. 
So oh, that's right. interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they still did a good job of like creating the idea that they've been in there for ages, even if it was only a half an hour sequence. It didn't yeah. Feel like it was um, unfaithful to the amount of time she'd been locked up. It, yeah. It definitely helped show that with like, I think there was there were some montages, and you get to see the main way it does it is by like every little part of the room has some kind of story to go with it you know like anything jacob's made like the he's made like a lot of weird models and paintings and things like that so it everything feels like it has history which is how you know that they've been in there a long time yeah and you kind of get jacob's narration to describe everything about room uh, uh, Jake, sorry, Jacob is the actor. Um, Jack, Jack is uh, narrating. Yeah, it's it's for the fact that it's all decorated with a lot of stuff and the r- relationship that Jack has with. Um, I'm going to say the kid's name because I don't know the actor's name. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, the relationship that Jack has with the items in the room. So, like before he goes to bed he'll say like good night lamp good night um <clears throat> good night uh i don't know oh water skylight room. that was one good night <laughs> water all of that stuff skylight is the big one yeah. yeah um and you you do get this impression that they've been here a long time and especially i guess it's more so with jack as to the way that he's clearly not known anything different to it um, and especially when, like, you know, about halfway through this sequence in the room, when Joy is like, you know, there are people outside of the room, uh, stuff that's on TV is real, um, and all of this, and the way he just shuts down and completely refuses to believe it, which, yeah. if you think about it, most people would be the same if that's all they actually knew, because it's just a sudden, like, complete 180 on your whole worldview you've had your whole life um and i think the portrayal of that by the child actor was like amazing it was yeah because child actors are never like uh to the standard of uh like professional adult actors but i think compared to a lot of other child actors this one was really good. Um, you know, he really uh, embodied the role and was not just believable, but you could like empathize with him as well. And it was there was nothing I, I really said that I could see that kind of broke the illusion. I think, which is a lot of yeah problems with other ones. Yeah, the all the performances in this were really good. I mean. I'm sorry, but it's one of those child actors where they got an eight-year-old to play a five-year-old. Oh, unwatchable. Oh, <laughs> right. but... he didn't look five. <laughs> no, but they, it's always difficult. You're not going to get a good performance no. out of a five-year-old, <laughs> are you? <laughs> but, you know, apparently they went through, like, dozens of child actors, and I, I can see why, you know, you need to have a really good performance because in this, I mean, apparently it's even more so in the book that the story relies on jack but you know it a lot of the weight goes on him you know it's about it's all through his eyes uh so that relationship with uh you know jack and his mother needs to be 
really strong and you know a lot of strange emotions need to be shown you know just like being excited about seeing trees and stuff like that so he did a really good job uh and because we're just talking about like the bit in room now i'll talk we'll talk about brie larson's performance later because that plays more of a role when they actually get out um, i mean something just to say quickly about her is that the fact that she was abducted what was it when she was 17 so like yeah. even then she doesn't really have a great understanding of the world so like all the change going on around her in the world it also obviously significantly affects her as well yeah it was yeah, quite definitely. shocking when you found out that she was 17 because that you know she's never actually been able to have a she would have had like a full-time job it's still in school yeah. and now she's being forced to raise this child and uh it, it's a pretty awful situation that she's in and i think one of the things that helps make the film watchable even with such the like awful subject matter is the fact that it's through jack's eyes yeah so yeah you know if, if you did the same film but it was from the perspective of um i think it's called joy it would just be so depressing <laughs> yeah um like i wouldn't be able it, i don't know that that would be too much i think but it's this because it's through jack's eyes there's this whole theme of hope so you've got this you know the skylight in the in room which is what you know it's like the light at the end of the tunnel type thing there's a lot of that symbolism uh where it's the skylight is like the only connection they have to the outside world um so even the mother won't have been able to see any anything in the world for seven years so you know a lot changes in seven years that you, you wouldn't even realize i know yeah. and even like some of the practical things that you see later where he has to wear like sunglasses and sun cream and it's obviously hasn't been exposed to a lot of the germs in the air so he has to wear a mask and just stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. think about yeah and it's quite clear that the world has moved on in seven years. So, for example, um, I think the mother's parents got divorced, um, which yeah. would have been like a huge blow to her because when she was abducted at seventeen, you know, she was telling Jack about this um, this sort of idealized house with uh, a hammock and two parents who love her and stuff, and. Uh, when they finally get out and go back to the house, you know, I've, I think, I think it was kind of uh, symbolic that Jack, the first thing Jack noticed was like, where's the hammock and stuff. So like, whilst it's told through his eyes, his eyes, it sort of reflects how the mother is struggling to cope with everything. Um, Cause you know, like she's been, for seven years, she's been holding out hope that one day she'll return to the home that she came from uh, and everything would be normal again. But instead, you know, she has to adjust to this new family life with um, Leo, who's uh, her mother's boyfriend. Um, and, you know, she has... Oh, what was the term? Was it like down days? Uh, she, uh, for what? 
Um, you know when Jack's like it was mentioned oh. in room as well in the when they were in the room, Jack was like she has her down days or something, which is obviously just days she gets really depressed and can't focus and can't cope right. with everything. Yeah, I don't actually remember that bit. I think it's just in a couple of the monologues of Jack. Yeah, yeah. Like just really shows the effect that this would have on a person. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing that they is really interesting for me is like how they filmed everything to do with room as in the actual room itself so because at the start when you see you know the first half an hour it doesn't actually feel like claustrophobic it, no. it felt like quite a wide space yeah um and then when they and then later in the film they come back to it and it's so tiny and you, like I, I thought it was a completely different set but it turns out it is actually the same set and they did things like um they don't they made sure that the camera lens was always in the room itself so the back of the camera might not have been but you know that your viewpoint would have been from inside room um but they they basically use really wide lenses and blur the backgrounds so that it felt like a wider space than it was and then when they come back to it everything's in focus so you can kind of just see how it, it just looks a lot more awful but the i think the reason they make room look a lot bigger than it was is so that you can you can empathize with jack after he's got got out he starts getting the longing to go back to room again even though you know, it it was really awful for him. It's just that was like the norm, and uh, it's like wanting things to be normal again, in quotation marks. Cause yeah, it, they obviously were not normal. But if you know, if they made it look really tiny, then you just you just get a lot more annoyed at him. But you know, when thing when he was in room, it was just him and his mum. They had all these cool things that seemed like to. Uh, for him so you can understand why when they suddenly go out and they've been bombarded by paparazzi and doctors and lawyers and it you, you can yeah, see why because yeah. i definitely think at the beginning it doesn't necessarily depict it as um jack being unhappy because he doesn't know anything else and i think that definitely mm. uh, is built on by the fact that it doesn't it never does feel claustrophobic at least from his perspective, um, until obviously like the final scene. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I towards it was... the. Oh god. Oh, uh, it was like it was at the end when you could tell that, you know, he'd finally realised that this is that he, that he has to move on and that room isn't what it was. It's like. I think it's about learning to understand when change is good that you kind of have to properly revisit um you know what was in the past but without all the kind of like rose tinted glasses of nostalgia yeah yeah because i mean at least for him it almost presents it as like a safe environment in room because although obviously 
old Nick has uh, abducted them and it's awful what's happening to them. He still provides them with food. He has like a decent standard of living given that he's confined to one room and because he doesn't really know any difference, uh, he almost like wants that assurance and um, like that connection that he gets just between him and his mum that's uh, all he knows growing up. Mm. I think for me like the room itself I mean obviously the film can seem to be like almost showing you uh, a new way to like appreciate the beauty of the world and things like that but for me it's also like an exaggeration of uh, like feeling trapped in an abusive relationship so mm. uh, you know it, whether it's just you you can imagine you know young women uh with children that are being forced to stay in these relationships with abusive men and they f feel like they can't leave because you know they might not have a job or whatever it is and then if they do manage to get out of it and start struggling then you can see you know why you might end up longing for, to go back even if the situation was so awful so that that's what I felt like to me. The story was trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, I might be going ahead a bit now, but um, I know later when she has that interview and they're asking her about, uh, are you ever going to tell Jack who his father is? And she's saying it's not his father. Um, mm, there's definitely yeah. that almost reminded me of you know Marriage Story where they're kind of saying that, uh maternal roles are very different and there's like responsibilities placed on mothers that are and she's almost like denying the fact that he's got any connection to him mm. yeah it is yeah i mean i, I it is a really interesting premise because while it does have the glue dark and gloomy stuff I guess we'll move on to when you come at, come out. I mean, obviously at first everything's really overwhelming for him. Uh, in fact, I, I'll just say like the that's that was a really tense scene though. You know when he gets in the rug and uh, in the back of old Nick's uh, pickup truck. Oh yeah, I was and, practically uh, the screaming was... at the screen like, "Get out, <laughs> do it, please, yeah, quick!" That... <laughs> or else he'll catch you. Because yeah. expect... it feels like it's just gonna be some like an interesting premise for a drama but then you get this like really tense it's almost an action scene not really but <laughs> it is like whew. uh it's yeah. very, very intense um but then as as the film progresses and at first kind of like being scared of these new things in the world but uh, then it like as he learns to appreciate everything like the view above the city and how everything's like constantly going there's things he starts to enjoy i think that things are like still going like you know everyone's always busy there's people everywhere and it just made you know me appreciate like the kind of whole scope of the world because a lot of times you know you can get films that uh aim to make the world feel small and insignificant but this one for me kind of like showed how 
how big it is, how many people there are, how many things you can do, all the opportunities and things. So that was another good reason to have it from Jack's perspective is that you can kind of see this wonder of experiencing the world. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but do you think it was... I've, I felt like it was quite a... Um, critical of uh, like the way that you like prosecute someone after leaving uh, you know any abusive thing whether it be like um, even if it's just you know you'd be robbed or something just having to deal with like press and lawyers it was quite critical you know lawyers saying that you get my fee is expensive you're going to have to pay me somehow. And even just one uh, prime time interviews gets you a lot of money. Oh, yeah. That it, was it kind of shows like. That was definitely yeah. a line that stood out to me. The fact that. I know. I, was like, I didn't really... realize how predatory that these. Yeah. These officials these kind of are. These can be like. Yeah, the des like people that are really desperate. And you're like, why would you go on TV and embarrass yourself like that? I was as well. So, you know, they might need to. This is the only way they can pay their uh, lawyer's fees or whatever it is. It kind of gives you a yeah. different perception on if you now, if you end up like seeing something on TV and there's an interview with someone, you've kind of got in the back of your mind, wait, maybe they were pressured into doing this because they couldn't afford some, uh, legal fees yeah. or whatever. You know, it's kind of given me a bit of a different perception in that sense. I found that, yeah, it was really explicit in the fact that um, Joy did, really did not want to go on TV, and you can absolutely sympathise with her there, because, you know, she's just been through a really incredible, well, incredibly stressful situation, a, like a horrible seven years before that. Uh, her whole life's been turned upside down and then turned upside down again. Um, but now, like, she kind of has to go on and do, like, one interview, which she clearly doesn't want to do. And then, you know, I it starts off, the interview does start off, like, being, I, I think it was, like, showing the sort of way that they pretend to be nice. Because they were all, like, trying to keep her comfortable. You don't have to answer any questions. You don't want to. But then they kind of like pressured her with uh, stuff like, when are you going to tell Jack about the father? When are you going to... Uh, is, are you sure you've been a good mother or stuff like that? You know, it's... Um, I felt that they were really loaded questions. and uh, Yeah, I mean, it, the one that really like annoyed me was the one saying, like, did you ever think of uh, asking... Nick to like drop him off at an orphanage or something. Oh yeah, and that was, was starting to. It was like was they that... were blaming uh, Joy for uh, keeping him in those conditions, even even though it's obviously not her fault. And it's like, I don't know. It, it just felt like such like you know the media just they just want a kind of striking story and they you know get blow up controversy and don't care about. Uh, you know the fact that they're actually dealing with people like that interview 
Oh, for me, it felt like that was what drove her to a- attempting suicide in the yeah. bathroom. But, I mean, you do definitely see that sort of moral ambiguity earlier with um, him, like, resisting the escape plan, uh, like, getting rolled up in the rug, and, like, her having doubt about whether that's the right thing for him. Um, so, I, but I definitely think that that interview was like a direct catalyst for her attempted suicide because even though obviously you have the naivety of Jack, which is um allows like a very different interpretation on this subject matter, she's almost got some sort of sense of naivety with like uh idealism and almost utopian uh perception of this home she's gonna return to. But then when she realizes that she almost has to like rely on these interviews um as you say to fund some of the costs and also the fact that well the world's moved on and like her parents relationships broken down and so forth so i think it's she's just totally overwhelmed and that's like the final straw yeah yeah that's that's another like a really i mean it is in a different way it's an intense scene but that that was pretty awful because because everything's so Jack's eyes it's like even worse seeing you know your own mother choking on after obviously having a whole bottle of pills on the floor like it was quite awful yeah but they managed to balance you know the moments like that with just like the nice kind of relationship that's built with um Joy's stepdad with Jack like they're kind of slow development and it you know it felt like an earned uh i guess friendship almost because mm. at first jack refuses to talk to anyone uh and i think I, I don't know if it was just me but it definitely felt like he didn't want to talk to like men because you know the only man he's uh seen before was old nick so not yeah. had great experiences so yeah. that that like uh relationship development is I mean, it's just uh, obviously it's a nice wholesome thing to see but also is another representation of Jack kind of moving on uh from his entrapment in room yeah and then you have like the idea when he cuts his when he, well when he lets his grandma cut his hair oh, off yeah. and, like that there's bravery or something that he's his mother needs his strong mom. more than he does yeah yeah that that was a really good moment, but then obviously he doesn't understand why his mum is so like is saying that that saved her, <laughs> and he yeah. just doesn't get it. Um, because you get some moments of like wholesomeness just pulled away from you, like uh, Jack's, uh, sorry, Joy's dad refusing to look at Jack, because it's like this constant reminder of Joy's abuser. Yeah. Uh, so he just can't like handle it, and that's like a really difficult thing to deal with. But yeah, I suppose kind yeah. of that is William H Macy plays him. He was in the Fargo film, so he's a lad. Uh, he does very <laughs> well at being a distraught father. Yeah, I guess you could. The one thing that's sort of constant throughout the whole film is sort of joy and jack's really strong bond and love for each other because 
that's sort of what ties everything together you know it's i think you know the whole thing with like him cutting his hair off for her and stuff it was like you know his own like cute little way of saying that like uh he loves her and stuff but i think it was it was more just like she realizes that no jack's still here um i need to be there for him and that's what sort of makes her get better and everything and yeah because um that there's also something similar to that that sort of motivates him when he's breaking out of the room because um he's always got the reminder of her with like her bad tooth that fell out and in a normal everyday context that would be seen as a relatively insignificant and innocuous thing but to him that like symbolizes his mum and it's really meaningful yeah mm. and uh i suppose it kind of goes back to that whole uh the question in the interview where it was um why didn't joy ask old nick to send him away and it kind of just makes you recontextualize everything that you know yes he he was a he was a child and he didn't have the most normal childhood but like joy's a person as well and if i get the feeling that she would like have committed suicide or something um had jack not been there because in the early see uh, the early scenes of um inside the room you know she's sort of well she's not like happy but she seems to have sort of come to terms with things as long as jack's okay so um I, I, you really do get the impression that he's the only thing keeping her going and had she sent him away which you know wouldn't have crossed her mind uh she wouldn't have had anything to i suppose live for yeah because there's the idea created that she has tried to resist this before because she said she has tried to fight old nick but um like other times when she tries to resist like one time he cuts the power so um i feel like she's just come to accept that the only way she can break out originally when she's actually in room is if jack is also um understands the necessity of breaking out and understands the the outside world and that it's not all just what he sees on television yeah definitely uh, so i feel like we've been talking a while and haven't really talked about brie larson's performance because she won an oscar for this uh and looking at like the other nominations i can see why because for some reason i don't like, i don't actually really know any of the other films that got nominated for best actress in this but brie larson i really uh like a really good performance in this like yeah you if it was it was really a pivotal role uh for the film and you know the relationship with jack and she goes through like a massive range of emotions and really intricate ones you know yeah. like the thing of where she's thanking jack for sending his hair but he doesn't like get why it's important and it's like that like weird mix of emotions for her is really good and her getting out for the first time and uh it's yeah i mean she did really really well in this yeah definitely and i really like that the 
I think it's the final shot of the film where she sort of um, whispers by room and it's sort of like although obviously this was a really tumultuous part of her life and it was horrible the abuse she suffered it, she still has to understand that like it is a part of her life like at one point I know she mentions the friend she had I think she has a picture of her and their friends um, before she was abducted and she's sort of saying yeah. what's happened to them um, I don't know nothing and she's like exactly but she understands she was almost like forced to mature and grow up in this um really strange circumstances and she like has to accept that that's a part of her life now mm. yeah uh it, it makes me yeah i definitely want to see more things that brie larson's been in because i know she got picked for this because uh of her role in oh it's i was literally just looking at it 12 What's it called? One sec. Short term twelve. That's it. It's uh, it's the reason that they picked her for this because I think they had uh, like quite a few other choices. You know, like big choices for the role of Joy. Like I think Emma Watson was one and stuff like that. So you know, Brie yeah. Larson. She and also ended up doing really well with it, but it would have been a, a difficult choice for the role um so yeah i mean i mean the only well, other thing are. i've seen her in this <laughs> captain marvel so in the marvel i've not actually seen captain marvel yeah i i saw I, her in endgame but that's yeah it. i'd say what i found it interesting is that she was actually like really um would you say reclusive i don't know she she wasn't big about press before mm. she became Captain Marvel, which then she knew, like, well, now I'm going to be, you know, approached in the street all the time and then just kind of, like, went with it and is now quite uh, well-documented as a person, I guess you'd say. I don't know. But, yeah, she other she did used to avoid paparazzi and stuff. Yeah. Um, Odd, so. Oddly enough, I'd say her performance in Captain Marvel was kind of... Like it, there are a lot of people who just hate on Captain Marvel because girl, woman, um, woman. <laughs> which, to be fair, it wasn't a particularly great story, and I felt her performance wasn't like outstanding. Yeah. So I was yeah, kind I of. I mean, it's a Marvel film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it, it just felt a bit like stilted and not very. Uh, yeah. Uh. What's what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't have like life in it. So, but partly from the fact she was playing like an omnipotent god almost. Yeah, so there's. It, it didn't really have much characterization either. Yeah, it's it's got the Superman problem. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Or the Dark so, Phoenix problem. So I kind of went Ooh. into this with, because <laughs> uh, I'd heard that she was really good in this, so I kind of went into this with an open mind, but like having Captain Marvel in the back of my mind. But no, I was really pleasantly surprised with this and um I'd definitely like to check out some more of her work and see what else she's done. So uh, Yeah. The the writing oh, of I don't Captain know if we mentioned this but this isn't particularly great. Yeah. This is based on a book, uh and 
the screenplay was actually written by the author. In fact, she wrote the screenplay before the novel was even published. <laughs> she thought it would work really well as a film. Um, so, so I assume it's very faithful to the book. I've not read the book. Yeah. Uh, but apparently there's actually a lot more of joy in this than there is in the book. So I think it would it might actually work better as a book because although uh, I think it's easier to get like an internal um perspective of the thoughts of Jack which you do get like quite a f- there's several occasions in this where you get sort of a monologue or him saying good night or everything or so forth or him talking about mm. the new world but I think that might it might have like been more consistent in the book and that was something yeah. I really liked in the film I'd be interested to read the book because I like I agree with you in that respect but then there's also you wouldn't really be able to fully understand like the adult characters reactions and emotions which you are able to in this I feel yeah. like there'd be a lot of a, a lack of that but yeah it'd be interesting to see I mean I really like this so I thought I'd look at because I knew it was nominated for Best Picture, and I was like, oh, I'll look at what other stuff there was in 2016 that was nominated to see if it deserved to win. Uh, and, I mean, this is really good, but there was... <laughs> I didn't realise how many good films came out in 2016. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Um, the what Martian, The Big Short, oh, yeah, Mad Max Fury Road, The Revenant, Bridge of Spies, uh, I've not heard of Brooklyn. And the one that won is Spotlight, which is about that, the uncovering of like the Catholic Church child molestation thing, the scandal. So there, there were actually a lot of big films. Tough competition. Yeah. But I, I, coming back to like the book and film comparison, I guess something that you couldn't really have captured as well in the book was maybe like the sense of scope when he, yeah, uh, when they emerge into the world, and also the idea about the claustrophobia of the room and how that was really important when they revisited it and it seemed a lot smaller than originally. Yeah, I don't know how you do that in a book. Like, it's... How do you... Because in the film, they managed to do really well of being like, oh, this looks a lot smaller than it did. But, yeah, it's a film, so you can kind of show that, but it's quite difficult to show that in a book. I mean, maybe I'll pick up a copy, though. I mean, I just like that the director managed to direct this film because he wrote um, the author of the book, uh, Emma Donahue. I don't know how you pronounce that last name, but he wrote her a 10-page fan letter saying, like, please let me write, please let me do a film. (laughs) I mean, my mum's read the book and seen the film, I think, like, three times she's seen the film. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. she says she prefers the book. So, that's how, how do you manage to get then. through that film three times? <laughs> Maybe once every two years. Yeah. Damn. Should I mean, we? I should we rate it then? Hunger. Oh yeah, yeah. It probably is. Should we give it a rating? We've been managed to talk about it for quite a long time. Which is kind of interesting yeah. because anyway, we watched it a week ago, so that's quite. <laughs> Yeah, before we started, uh, we were good. kind of unsure how well we'd be able to talk about it, given, you know, it was a week ago, but we seem to have done decently well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, website needs updating a little bit. I'll do that later. 
Um, that's a great plug for the website. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come and see our outdated website before it gets updated, go to entertainmentofaccents.weebly.com. Be a part of history. Yeah, screenshot it so you can compare it before and after. <laughs> so cool. this is one of the one of the few films we've done that's in the IMDb top two fifty. So Ooh. 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 <laughs> who's who wants to go first? The uh, the one I feel like I'm probably gonna compare this with is Marriage Story just because of like yeah. relationship themes. Uh, although actually they are very different, really. Um, yeah. I think I actually might have liked this more than Marriage Story. I don't know if it's just because it's more recent, um, which is it's setting it up for a very high rating already. You gave Marriage Story an eight. I know. Wow. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's looking good. Um, and but because I'm a were obviously Charlie Kaufman stands, and I kind of like sci-fi weirdness. I'm not gonna put it uh, at the same level as being John Malkovich, so I'm gonna go in between and say eight point two, but that is above the other Charlie Kaufman one. So scandalous. Damn. <laughs> well. Again, I'm going to compare it to Marriage Story, given they're not identical, but they have sort of similar themes. Um, I I liked Marriage Story the least out of all of you, I think. Yeah, Ollie was 7.8, Tom was 8, I was 7.6. Um, but I did I did like it. Um, what did I give Stalker? I'm pretty sure it was higher than that. I give Stalker 7.25. Damn, that's weird. Yeah, you gave yeah. it barely anything. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go. Um, I think I'm gonna go eight. What did I give? I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah, I like thinking of ending things just marginally more. So I'm gonna go eight because I gave it an eight point one. So there we go. Damn. Nice. Yeah, I definitely think you can compare it to Marriage Story, but obviously. It's it's very different and I also preferred it. I I think um after I'd watched it straight away, I felt that like the the part when they were out of the room wasn't as strong as beforehand. But then on reflection I don't know actually. I think they both like obviously work in conjunction and they sort of make each other better. Um so I'm gonna give it an 8.3. What do you give it, Tom? <laughs> what? What do you give it, Tom? Is that the same as a... Two, didn't you? 8.2. Yeah. It's probably going to be 8.2. It rounds out, isn't it? But that is correct. It is 8.2. Which is yeah, now... Not a 7. Ooh. We didn't have a 7. Yeah, sorry. It's actually 8.16 recurring. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's now um, our third highest film. Um, so Even it's made. It's made. That Brie Larson won. <laughs> <laughs> it's made it into. People will get confused if they think this is the room and see it right at the top of our list. Ollie, you've rated this higher than being John Malkovich. Did I? Wow. Ooh. Yeah. 
Well, it's so, so this has made it into the Hall of Fame as our third highest rated movie ever. Um, so up, there's a page on the website called the Hall of Fame where it's got the top rated movies or TV shows in each category. Um, so right at the top, this will be replacing I'm Thinking of Ending Things as the third highest movie ever. Um, sorry, th- sorry third highest <laughs> ever and also third highest yeah. movie ever um, will also be probably highest drama I guess there's not really much else you can categorise it as really I suppose it's kind of just drama yeah. so drama, yeah. thriller yeah, um, thriller to a degree Definitely not going to be the worst rated ever, which you can also see if you go to our <laughs> entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com slash hall of fame, uh, which is currently taken up by Kangaroo Jack, Slenderman, and Robot Monster. <laughs> speaking of which, I yes, just want to say, choices. speaking of which, I just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who's been like watching our Kangaroo Jack episode on YouTube. It's really blown up, um, surprisingly. Uh, like, I don't know if this is anything to do with the fact that Kangaroo Jack's now on Netflix, so more people are aware of it, possibly. But it's, you know, it's oh, by yes. far our highest, mo- <laughs> our highest streamed episodes on, like, well, on YouTube, and then when you count in podcast platforms as well, it's, uh, it's the same. So, yeah, a huge thank you to everyone who's been uh, watching that. You know, um, see how many views we're on, on for it now. It's, it was well over three hundred last time I checked. Uh, it's three forty. Three forty. Sure. Wow. Um, and we had a look in the analytics, and apparently a lot of the traffic comes from Portuguese people looking for the full movie in with in Portuguese. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm gonna quickly Google Translate how to say thank you in Portuguese. Thank you. That is Spanish. I do Portuguese. Obrigado. Obrigado. Thank you for watching. Obrigado por assistir. We're international. So, thank you for all all of that. Go, Go watch Kangaroo Jack, the movie, if you like the episode. You... We'll regret it. Uh, ten likes, and we go. We watch Kangaroo Jack Gaday USA on stream. Uh, not on stream, but we do an episode on it. Ollie and I have already seen it, so it's mainly just uh, yeah. dragging Tom down with us. No. <laughs> and I'll quickly mention we, we do have a. <laughs> uh, I'll quickly mention we do have a segment called the Submission Spotlight, which we have one in the works we just haven't got around to uh we just quickly go over um something like we'll get viewers to submit any works of media that they've done so like short films or music or um something you've written perhaps anything like that um we'll have a quick look over it um tell you what we like to give you some constructive criticism um we're not like professional critics so it's kind of a way to get uh feedback from i guess the general uh the general consumer and we'd love to have you on the podcast to talk about it um 
we haven't managed to get anyone to do that yet, but uh, we'd love for you to be the first. So we could just record a quick segment with you talking about it. It doesn't have to be live. Could do it whenever you're, uh, whenever you're ready. Although probably the next couple episodes we might be a bit busy, like uh, seeing people and stuff. Given like it's legal around Christmas in our country to see people, so that would be cool. Uh, next up, I'm glad Tom didn't speed ahead past the submission spotlight. Well done, dude. I'm going to forget because we've been away for a week. But... I know, I was thinking, oh, Ben's done submission spotlight. Oh, let's see. Yeah. Um, so, cool. Next segment is recommendations. Does anyone have any recommendations? Um, uh, Shall I talk about Mank? Sure. I saw Mank. Mank. Why would you name a film Mank? I mean, I know it's his name, but <laughs> come on. Mank. It's like Manky X rank. Uh, yeah, so it's David Fincher's latest film, um, and it's about uh, Herman Mankiewicz, the writer of, or one of the writers of Citizen Kane, depending on how you view it. Uh, and it's kind of, it's it's obviously like a, a love letter to Hollywood, you know, like, once upon a time in Hollywood was, and I feel like there was another one. It seems to be the new phase. <laughs> Obviously, there was a Hollywood TV series, but that at least felt a bit more critical. Um, this, it, you know, it's about, especially the magic of the film, movies, and I mean, technic on a technical level, I mean, like it's really good. It, it looks beautiful. It's got great editing. Uh, the music is really of the time. They do lots of little touches to make it like a 30s or 40s film, like putting the mark up for when the projectionist has to change reels. Um, but in terms of like the story, I was just a bit bored. I don't, it, the writing didn't feel like it was, uh, you know, as good as it could be. Because, I mean, David Fincher does usually direct uh, a lot of different films, you know, like detective thrillers. And where writing is like a really big thing, but this, I don't know, I, it just didn't grab me. I didn't really care about any of the characters. And also, I know that, you know, big thing is like, oh, Orson Welles like plagiarized the script from Mankiewicz and uh, was, and he had to fight really hard to get a writing credit. But from what I've seen, like, although Mank did do the initial first draft, like, Orson Welles did change quite a lot of the script. Um, and has more things, there's more in the script that can be attributed to Orson Welles than there is to Mankiewicz, or at least from what I've read. So it also feels a bit misleading the film. So I, I think it's fine, basically. Nice. You can probably put something better on. And that's something um, you recommend? No, I'm just, this is, if the, if anything new comes out, I, I've just got to talk about it, you know, Ben. Now you can so put recommendations. The, you can get the sweet clips. Oh, possibly. <laughs> quick thoughts on Mank. Yeah, quick <laughs> quick thoughts on Mank. Well. Uh, and it just says, kind of manky, kind of not. <laughs> well, I'll balance it out with an actual recommendation. Oh, if... no, wait, I do have a recommendation. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Do you want me to do an actual recommendation, Ben? Maybe. I think Go we on. should not leave it a week okay. next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I mean, I literally watched it today. I'm stupid. Um, I watched Your Name, which is like a it's an anime film. Oh no, um, you can laugh now. <laughs> about weep. It's about like weep. a guy and a girl that, for unknown reasons, like keep swapping bodies when they fall asleep. Uh, and I don't, I don't really want to spoil anything. That's like that's all I knew going in, but it, you know, it's got lots of great emotion. The animation looks beautiful, uh, and it's got like nice, really good themes and witty writing and that is definitely worth a watch on Netflix uh, I think that might be on the top 250 so <laughs> kind of like not not that obscure but yeah you, you should watch it, it's, it is really good Groovy Well um... I'm not, By the way I didn't say much about it because I don't want to spoil anything but it's not because I don't like it that much, I actually really liked it and just try not to spoil anything. Yeah. Well, uh, I have one recommendation, surprisingly. Uh, I can't, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure someone said The Clone Wars by now, so I won't, like, say that. That's the reason I haven't been... I'm not, like... I don't have any... Oh, by the way, Tom, you should watch The Clone Wars. Uh, oh yeah, I think I probably should actually. Everyone yeah. spam in the comments. Tom, to watch the Clone Wars. Actually, what is the Clone Wars? I don't think I've heard of it. Is is that to do with one Star War? No, it's uh, a Harry Potter film. That, oh, okay. Is that yeah. the one where they yeah. have have to get the ring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it written by Charlie Kaufman? No, yeah. George R. R. Martin, I think. Oh, he doesn't write anything, go away. What are you on about? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Yeah, That's yeah, anyway. Doing the past... <laughs> oh, go on. George R. 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 Martin yeah, uh, that's the reason I, I'm, I'm going to give a music recommendation, given that's my sort of fallback whenever I haven't like watched any movies or TV shows. I've I've watched the Clone Wars, but I've just been watching a lot of Clone Wars recently, so mm -hmm. I haven't got around to lots of other things. But anyway, the music is uh, the EP I Can't Go Outside by Channel Trez, which is uh, a sort of uh, house-influenced um, hip-hop album. Uh, so I've been following Channel Trez for like a year or so now. Um, because he's got like, this really unique sound that... Uh... Oh, I like that voice crack there. He's got a really unique... <laughs> I wasn't going to point it out. <laughs> I have to make fun of myself. Otherwise, no one else will. Um, but no, he has a really unique sound when it comes to sort of rap. Because uh, he's got the, this really deep voice and his rapping consists more of sort of... I suppose just reciting uh, lyrics over the top of music rather than being like aggressive or um, focusing a lot on sort of weird rhythmic structures to stand out. He's very much laid back um, and sort of lets the beats take precedence. So, and the beats are all like really uh, reminiscent of like Detroit 90s house um, and also like 
some like G funk influences, um, but like really chill and laid back, which is really different to like a lot of the rap that's out nowadays, which is more focused on being like loud and aggressive with sort of more trap beats. Um, but anyway, this new EP particularly is really good. It's more. I want to. I want to say it's more a bit more experimental, given it has, um. Well, it's more experimental for what you have nowadays. It's not really that experimental, given, like if it was released in the nineties or whatever. But it's just a bit of a breath of fresh air. It's just chill to listen to and vibe to. Um, the big track that's everyone's talking about is called Fuego, and it um features Tyler the Creator, uh who works really well on the beat who has a really great verse um and you can definitely hear some of his production in there as well so um yeah go and listen to i can't go outside by channel trez it's only like it's like 20 minutes long it's you won't regret it if not then if you don't like it then i'd say give like the ep channel trez a go as well and if that doesn't do it for you then that's groovy. It's just my recommendation. You know it's good because Ben recommended it to me before the podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the Clone Wars, <laughs> uh, I've finished <laughs> the Clone Wars in the past, well, since we did the last episode. Seems like ages ago, but yeah. Two weeks ago. I mean, the last, <laughs> the last season... Uh, like as a whole, it was really great. I, I particularly like the episodes where, well, like earlier, like the earlier seasons weren't great, but I quite like the episodes where it like explored, uh, like maybe pacifist um planets and so forth, and like trying to expand the Clone Wars into these regions, and also obviously episodes where it like actually humanizes both the clones and some of the characters from the prequels, like Anakin. Where it, it does things that the prequels never did. Um, and then, as for the last season, the middling episodes were some of the worst of the whole show. But uh, like the the final four, I won't give too much away, but it's a really uh, cathartic conclusion to the show, and it really does it justice. Um, I also watched a few films on the top 250, but somehow I'm only on 56 and Tom's on 100, so... Yeah, I've hit 100 now. <laughs> I feel like I'm making much progress when I'm compared to that. Um, I watched The Prestige, which is a Nolan film. Uh, yeah. um, it's basically, a, ooh, <laughs> it's basically about like two rival magicians... Um, it's quite hard to actually give a plot synopsis because there's so many twists and turns throughout it, and but somehow you, you always are able to follow it. Like it never really gets too convoluted the plot, even though there's loads of time jumps and loads of twists with the characters and stuff like that. I also watched American Beauty. Another oh, one on there. Another one I've not seen. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, that it's it's pretty good it's got quite interesting themes about like beauty and identity and has some pretty memorable moments and 
what was the other one I watched? Um, oh yeah, Mad Max Fury Road as well, uh, which is a pretty epic action film. Did you witness it? Oh, I did. You witnessed them, as they say. <laughs> That's what they say, right? They do indeed say. <laughs> yeah. Wait, okay, The Prestige, is it as good as they say, Ollie? It's got an 8.5. Is um, I mean, compared Take. to the other Nolan films, no. But it's—I don't know. It's not an eight point five. I wouldn't say, but it is. <laughs> it's very enjoyable. I—I I wouldn't yeah. say like, it doesn't really have that many themes or like, a, a really coherent message or anything. It's just like quite an interesting plot. Yeah, I know it's based on a book as well, so you can't credit really? Nolan entirely. Yeah, I, I'll watch it. I, you know, why not? <laughs> He's got some wacky stuff, I know. But I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll also want to watch American Beauty. That's been just like sitting on my list for ages. Yeah. It's worth a watch. Yeah, cool. Quite a few recommendations there. I know. Yeah. Keep you busy over the Christmas period. I now have to Talking not see the Christmas period. <laughs> Well, where, should we say what we're going to do next week? We we shall indeed. Uh, we're Little gonna, segue there. We're going to do <laughs> the the film Klaus, um, which I know absolutely nothing about apart from the fact it's Christmassy and we need a sort of Christmassy episode. Um, oh, it's on the top two fifty. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> weird. It's, it's basically about like uh, this this like quite reclusive toy maker teams up with this postman to um, make loads of presents for a town. Doesn't sound the best premise, but it's pretty entertaining. Cool. Wait, guys, <laughs> I've just looked. We only have two episodes left this year, which I know is kind of like, it's the 13th. I should have known that, but it's kind of just weird to think about. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fire. Been doing this for like... N- Nine months now. I've grown Compared a baby in that time. Child at this point. After <laughs> 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 again thinking of the exact same joke. Yeah. Just so psychically. Come back next week for two people saying the same joke. Joke. Ha ha funny. Cool. Ha ha funny joke. Well, thank you for listening. Go and subscribe to us. Oh, we've got some. Uh, We've got some comments. Damn, I've not been keeping up in this. Hello, uh, Harry Top and Balin de Hobbit. Sorry, I, I, we usually just don't get any comments, so I'm surprised that you're here. Um, Whoa. So Harry what, Top in the, says... In the chat? Yeah. So Harry what? Top says what? Short Term 12 is her best movie. Uh, Brie Larson's. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or add that to the list to watch. We could do that in a future episode, yeah. Yeah. No, quite. Unicorn Stall. Unicorn Stall is the one that she directed, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I vaguely remember that. Uh, Tom, watch Basmati Blues. (laughs) Basmati Blues? Oh, yeah, Tom, watch Basmati Blues. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we've attracted some larcenists, as they like to be called. Do they like to be called that, Dan? Also, 
No, I just watched her Hot Ones interview, <laughs> and she managed to eat all the wings without drinking anything. So <laughs> groovy. Well, thank you, Harry Top and Balin the Hobbit, for watching. Um, it's not Balin; it's Barlin. I'm so stupid. I'm tired. Uh, but yeah, thank you for watching. Uh, hope you enjoyed, and we'll hopefully see you next week. So, all right, see yeah. ya. Yeah. All right, all right see, see ya. ya. Yeah, that's it.